This is Parsha Panorama, and this week's Parshios are the pair of Bihar and Bichu Kosai. Yes, we are at the end of Sefer Vayikra, so Mazel Tov to everyone who's made it this far. And now we have the opportunity to do a little bit of reflecting on what we've seen, the panoramic view of Sefer Vayikra and the Torah at large up until this point, trying to figure out exactly what this book is a book about and how Bihar and Bichu Kosai fit in that panorama, because as we're going to see at first glance, it's not so clear. We've made it this far, and we've been able to identify the underlying themes that make each Parsha relevant to Sefer Vayikra, and of course to the Torah at large. And while obviously every mitzvah, every law topic is relevant to the Torah at large, but of course the thematic breakup is something that needs to be explained, and of course, especially when the Torah seems to set the stage at the beginning of this Parsha in a way that's very different than the rest of the Parshios, not only in the Torah, but in the Sefer Vayikra, it definitely calls our attention to it, and we have to try to understand why we have an anomalous beginning to the end of Sefer Vayikra, which is our Parshios, Parshios Bahar and Bichakosai. Now, before we do that, let us first acknowledge our sponsors. Um, thank you to Anonymous, Lili And thank you to Yonan Khani Laster on their second time sponsorship. And anyone else who wants to sponsor, just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's thedatabase, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com. Okay, so there's plenty that we have to um, uncover and explain and elaborate on in our parsha using some help from the Mepharshim. And we'll do that as we go along. Some of the questions that we'll address, I will address just head-on as we reach that topic, when we break down the different topics in Bihar and Bechakosai. So some I'll do a small elaboration almost immediately as we hit the topic. Some of the larger picture questions we'll have to get to at the end. Um, but just to get the ball rolling with some of the questions. So let's just, actually, you know, let's, let's keep it a little bit broader at first. Let's talk about what is Parshas Bihar about and what is Parshas Bihakosai about. And while we're thinking about that, also thinking about the relationship between Bihar and Bihakosai, because indeed they are a double Parsha this year. And whenever you have a double Parsha, there's an there's usually an obvious and immediate connection with Achremos and Kedoshim. We had to do a little bit of more work for that, but we were able to to provide an explanation. So when it comes to what Bihar is about, so overwhelmingly, although it's not the only topic, but Parshas Bihar focuses on the laws of Shemitah and Yovel, right, the sabbatical year of the agriculture of the land in Eretz Yisrael, and Yovel is like the extreme version of that. Every So the, the um, Shemitah is every seven years, Yovel is every 50 years, um, and um, Shemitah is marked by the, um, the abandoning of one's land, leaving it fallow. Yovel is primarily marked by the emancipation of slaves and the homecoming, everyone returning to their ancestral heritage. And... All of these, and really the rest of the laws, as we're going to see in Parshas Bahar, have one overarching theme, and that is Hashem's mastery over our assets and what that demands of us. 
um, what our recognition of that demands of us. What actions do we have to do that demonstrate our recognition of Hashem's mastery over our assets? And Shemitah and Yovel are just the beginning. We're going to see that it goes even further. There's an important Rashi that we have to see at the end of Parsha's Bihar, which really explains everything for us. Um, and we'll see that Rashi in Perak Chavav Pasuk Aleph. But that's really what Bihar is about. And when we get to Bichukosai, so Parsha's Bichukosai, um, in many ways is a response to the, our, or really our observance and our relationship to the mitzvahs of Parshas Bahar, because Parshas Bechukosai talks about, in Bechukosai Telechu, if you walk with my, my statutes and you do all the mitzvahs, so then all these good things are going to happen to you. And specifically, it's very clear from the Tochacha, which follows the passage of admonition, the reproof, the curses, the klalos that are going to come, chas v'shalom, on Kala Yisrael, should they reject Hashem's Torah. So there in the Torah, in the more than once, the Chumash references the neglected Shemitah years, the Shemitah years that were not properly observed, and that the land will finally be appeased for the missed Shemitahs. So the, the Chumash makes it very clear that Bichukosai is a response to Parshas Bahar, And not only that, but the fact that both Parshas Bahar and Bichukosai are clearly cordoned off um, with the theme of Harsinai. And this is one of the big questions that we have to address, the famous question of Rashi, Ma Indian Shemitah, it's all Harsinai. Because Parshas Bahar begins, Vaidabar Hashem, Amoshe, Baharsinai, Lemur. Um, departing from the, the regular introduction to many paragraphs in, in Parshios in the Torah, Vaidabar Hashem, Amoshe, Lemur, this Pasuk, in this Parsha, highlights Harsinai. And if you think, that it's just a fluke that that happened. So at the very end of Parshas Bichukosai, so we have the reference to Harsinai made once again. Actually, we have it twice again. Um, the first time, so we'll, um, this is one of the th- questions that we'll have to address when we get up to it, but, but Parshas Bichukosai does not only have the Tochacha, but it also has the laws of, of Arachin or Erechin, the laws of evaluations, which we'll have to discuss what's that doing in our Parsha. Um, and we'll get to it, Bez Hashem, but you should just know that um, until that point, so before before we get to the laws of Arachin, immediately after the Tochcha, the Chumash says, Ela hachukim v'hamishpatim v'hatoros asher nasan Hashem beino uvein b'nei Yisrael b'har Sinai v'yad Moshe. Again, we have at the beginning of Bahar a reference to Bahar Sinai. Then we have at the end of the Tochcha a reference to Bahar Sinai. And just when you think that we're done talking about Harsinai, but you already know that we're not, because I told you that in Bichukosai we're going to hear Harsinai at least twice. And indeed, the last Pasuk in Parshas Bichukosai, after the laws of Arachin, is Elah Mitzvah Asher Tzivah Hashem Asmoshe El Bnei Yisrael Baharsinai Chazach Chazak Menes Chazik. Now, let's rewind a little bit before the Chazach Chazak. We have Baharsinai. So, again, this is a very noticeable, very conspicuous departure um, from regular um, programming. From the, you know, the we don't. It's not the typical Vaidavar anymore. We are setting the stage. The stage of Bahar and Bichukosai is in fact Har Sinai. And if you consider the beginning of Parshas Vayikra um, or in Sefer Vayikra, both. The, the stage that was set over there was the Ohel Moed. We are right outside the Mishkan. The Mishkan that was just built at the very end of Sefer Shemos. 
So the fact that we are jumping back to Har Sinai is apparently indicative of something. But when we're looking at Sefer Vayikra as a whole, so one question we should really be considering is, if, in fact, all of this is really a Har Sinai matter, well, then maybe this whole Parsha, these whole two Parshios, really belong back where Har Sinai was referenced, you know, Sefer Shemos, Parsha Siyasar, Parsha Mishpatim. And in fact, there's an Ibn Ezra that says this, in fact, this exact point. We'll come back to this Ibn Ezra. He says, And really, um, when Parshas Mishpatim made reference to Shemitah, the first time we see Shemitah um, at all in the Torah is in Parshas Mishpatim. So says the Ibn Ezra, yeah, put a little asterisk there. And that's really where this topic belongs. And then for a, diff- for a specific reason, the Ibn Ezra, which he explains, and we'll get to it, says that this topic was put here. So why? So we'll get to that very soon. You got to stay tuned. Let's 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 now talk about all the different topics in in uh, Parshas Bahar and Parshas Bichkosai. We'll we'll list them all. We'll address some questions along the way, and then we'll come back to this larger picture question of what is Parshas Bahar Bichkosai doing here at the end of Sefer Vayikra? How does this wrap up the book? How does this set the you know how does this setting of the stage? help us understand in the panoramic view where we are in the Torah at the end of Ayikra, getting ready to go to uh, Sefer Bamidbar, which is going to really give us a whole new set of problems when we get there, as you'll see. Um, not just in the narrative, but just in the framing of the of the story as well, where, where you know, we're going to start off with a big question about chronology as well. So all of that to come. But let's let's take it step by step. What's happening here in Bar and Bechakosa? What's happening at this part of the Torah? Okay, so just to start off, um, so we said that Bahar is about Hashem's mastery over our assets and what that demands of us, and then Bechakosa is going to be the response to our Torah and really our Shemitah observance. So more specifically, um, I decided to make it five topics. Um, in Bahar, three topics, or maybe two topics in Bichakosa. Let me see what I have. Okay, I have here, you know, I'm going to make it really two topics in Bichakosa. Um, just editing the notes as we speak. Okay, good. So, um, among the topics in Parshas Bahar, we have number one, Shemitah and Yovel. At Har Sinai, Hashem commands Moshe and, and all of Klai Yisrael regarding the laws of Shemitah and Yovel. And among that is the Havtacha, the guarantee that if you keep the Shemitah year, then in the, in, the, in the subsequent years you are going to have enough food, even though you are not holding on to your, 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 your land, your agricultural um, business. Even though you're letting that go, you're going to have what you need. And there the Chumash also talks about the laws of sales. This is relevant also to, Lovel, to Yovel because all um, and we're going to see that all ancestral heritage returns to its owners during Yovel, and we're going to see that um, that, that, that loans, for example, get reversed in Yovel um, and in Shemitah also. That there's cancellations. Fine, um, and in this section, you know, we could also talk about what exactly is the difference between the name Shemitah and the name Yovel. Shemitah just means to abandon, to, li- to leave over, to leave fallow. Um, Yovel 
Um, it's subject to Machlokas Rashi versus the Nirmbali and Ibn Ezra and Hirsch, um, whether Yovel is related to the ram's horn, um, or maybe it's related to actually Pradus, something which gets, something which yields, right? Like the hearts lositinesi vula, same lashon as Yovel. Rambam Ibn Ezra of Hirsch, they all make reference to this, that something that moves somewhere, the whole idea of of Yovel is that things are being led outward. It's interesting because you actually have a relationship between this and the ram too, right? Um, we say, for example, in Tachnun, Nechshavnu Kitson Latevach Yuval. Latevach Yuval, which means that we are like sheep being led to slaughter. So the idea of, of the flock um, being led, being led forth, so that's really what Yovel is about, if you think about it. Yovel is about letting things go, not, not, not just leaving the land alone, but pushing it forward. In this case, the emancipation of slaves. You're letting go of your assets, you're letting go of the person, you're letting it go free, you're letting it return home. And in fact, um, the Deror, which is, which is declared in, or Deror Yikra, right? The, the Deror that's declared in, uh, in the Yovel, sort of Hirsch explains the word Deror is related to the word Dira. It means a homecoming. So thing everyone's going home. And the difference between Shemitah and Yovel, there's an Ibn Ezra that talks about how Shemitah represents Shabbos, Yovel represents the Mikdash. Rabbi Rucham talks about, um, and this, you know, going to maybe a little bit of why we are continuing this topic, you know, from Parshas Emor. So, you know, um, I'll get to that later, actually. I'm, I'm going to just bookmark this idea. You know, I'll, I'll let you in a little bit on it now, but there's Rabbeinu Yerucham that explains um, a connection between Shavuos and Sfiras Omer and Shemitah and Yovel. That we have the counting of days versus weeks. When it comes to Shemitah, you have the counting of years versus um, the seven, um, you know, versus a whole set, um, set um, versus, a, a, I guess, a sevenfold of years. A bundle of seven years, right? For every, because every 40, um, once you hit 49, then the next year is Yovel. Zemeshachachma that says that Shemitah corresponds to Shabbos and Yovel corresponds to Yom Tov. It's a brilliant piece in the Meshachachma. If we had all the time in the world, I would go through that Meshachachma, but you should definitely see it on your own. But there's plenty to talk about there. Then the question is um, um, the next topic. So I have in Parshas Bahar, I have four more topics, and these topics can really be explained by a single Rashi at the end of Bahar. So among the topics, I'll say them broadly and then I'll elaborate, but we have what I refer to as the Kiyamuch Achicha series, that when your brother comes on hard times, when your brother is, ha- is having a hard time making ends meet, so there are different things that might happen. So the Gemara, uh, the, Gemara the Chumash at that point, discusses um, what happens when a person has to sell his land, then we get to the laws of Batei Arichoma, which are the laws of a house and a walled city. And then we, in, in that topic, we also talk about the Batei Arilivian, the house in the, of, the, of the Levitic city. Um, then after that, the Chumash talks about loans for a little bit in section 4. And then when I have a section 5, we have the laws of slavery. Talk a little about the difference between Evid, Evid Ivri and Evid Kanani. The Evid Ivri leaves at Yovel. Whereas the Evakanani, Lo'olim Behem Ta'avodu, if you're wondering about the morality of slavery, so you can go back and listen to the Real Talk Torah conversation that I had with my brother of Daniel on this topic a while back. Um, and we talk about what happens if a person gets sold to a Gentile. And then the Chumash kind of like has this summary passage of Kili Bnei Yisrael Avadim Avadaihim. 
Um, it talks about not doing a vodazara, not making, uh, not um, uh, bowing down on Evan Maskis on a stone floor, because that, even, and even if you want to bow to Hashem, but outside the Mikdash, that's, uh, that's a problem. And the Chumash reminds us, as Shab Tira'u, a verbatim, a Pasuk that we had in Parshas Kedoshin. Uh, so that Pasuk is repeated at the end of Bahar, which almost makes it sound like a slogan. You know, as Shab Society Shmoru Vesmikdashi Tirau, um you should Ani Hashem, or you should keep my Shabbos, fear my Mikdash, I'm Hashem, and I approve of this message. I have to try to understand why these mitzvahs are being repeated. But why are they being uh, you know why, why do we have all these laws at this point anyway, after Shemitah and Yovel? So Rashi at the very end of uh, Bahar, Parakhavav Pasak Aleph, quotes the Gemara and Kedushin and Dafchafab Aleph, where in a very parsha uh, panorama-esque way, Rashi actually explains that there's a built-in progression that explains why the, the Chumash um, has all these topics in Bihar. And the, the, the main uh, theme is the Ta'avas Mamon, the, the desire for money and what money and the desperation for money can do to a person. So I'll even, I'll, I could even read the Rashi straight to you. But Rashi tells us at the very end, um, he says, where the Chumash says, Lo sasu lachem that you shouldn't make idols for yourselves. Like, wow, like we needed a, re- a repeat of don't do a Vodazara and a repeat of Shabbos. Like, why are these being taught to us all over again? So the progression that Rashi says is very, he says, Keneged zehanim This is talking about someone who sells himself to a guy or someone who sold to a guy to be a slave. Shelo yomar, you shouldn't say, Ho'il, v'rabi megala, arayos, af, anikamoso, my rabbi does, here rabbi does not mean like a rav, it means just a regular master, a guyish master. You know, he does gile arayos, so I'm going to do gile arayos, ho'il, v'rabi oved, v'rabi af, anikamoso, I'm going to do v'rabi like he did, ho'il, v'rabi mechal, shabbos, af, anikamoso, l'kach namar, mikros halalu. And then says Rashi, v'af aparshias halalu, namru ala seder. Rashi says that these parshiyos are written in order, in, in a sequential order. I'm not sure what the, if, if, the, if the inference to be made is that it's not always in order, but Rashi says all of the subjects in Bihar are in a certain sequence. It says, First, it warns you about Shemitah. And if you have such a desire for Mamon, and you become a suspect to violating Shemitah, what eventually you're going to do is you're going to be desperate to sell your things. Then talks about sales. Then the next topic, if he doesn't do tshuva, says Rashi, then he's going to sell his ancestral heritage. And lo chazer if he doesn't do a tshuva from that, if he, you know, if he, if he doesn't get over his taivas mamun, so eventually he's going to sell his house. Lo chazer and he doesn't, if he doesn't do tshuva from there, so flova brivis. Eventually he's going to, he's going to have to borrow, and he might even be so desperate so as to borrow with interest, right? Which is talked about in this parsha. And each one gets worse. Eventually he'll sell himself. And even if then, he might sell himself even to a guy. At which point, we wonder how low can he possibly go? And the answer is he can go as low as an Evan Moskis, maybe even possibly bowing to an Avodah or violating Shabbos. And the question is, is, how realistic is that? Just because a person desires money, you think that he's going to start driving to work on Shabbos? You think he's going to start flipping on and off the lights on Shabbos? 
could be. Um, you know, the, the one suggestion would be that, yeah, maybe, you know, that a person can be led that way. Another answer might be that even if he's not going to be led to, you know, completely break Shabbos, let's say, but maybe his sensitivity towards Shabbos is going to be compromised. Maybe his devotion to Hashem, let's say he's not going to bow on the floor to an idol, but maybe because the Avodah are that he's surrounded by, because, you know, he's in the Gaisha workplace, for example, his sensitivity towards Avodah Hashem is going to be compromised. And even if that happens ever so slightly, there's a hindrance in his Avodah Hashem because of his Taivas Momon. So maybe that's, you know, all the worth it to avoid the Taivas Momon. And maybe that hindrance is exactly what the Eight Sahara wanted from him. So the point is the Chumash tells us that you cannot let your money become a master over you. But you have to let Hashem become a master over you and your money. All your assets belong to Hashem. Now that we understand that, we can just go back and, and explain all the different topics in Bihar a little bit more, um, with, with a, little, a little bit more elaboration. So when the Chumash describes in section two what I have as the sale of your land, so that includes what happens if you have a goel, right? You have a, a relative who could redeem the land for you, but there's no funds. The Chumash tells us what happens if you have the funds, but you don't have an available goel. Or let's say you don't have an available goel and you don't even have the funds to redeem the land that you sold, your ancestral land. So Yovel tells you that if all of those things don't happen, then you can, at the very end, you know, you'll get your land back. And that, and that obviously explains also why in this Kiyamucha series, that when your brother comes in hard times, so why this is here, this is all, you know, speaking to Shemitah and Yovel. Then we get to the laws of Batei Arichoma, the house in a walled city. So the question is, why is Batei Arichoma here? So, um, you know, you can say that, you know, clarifying a unique law of redemption, which is different from Steachuza, right, the field in, of your ancestral land, which we just spoke about in section two. So here, the sale of Batei Arichoma, after one year, it's going to last forever, and even Yovel won't reverse it. So the Chumash is contrasting Batei Arichoma from the sale of your land. So sale of a house versus sale of a land. And why exactly would there be a difference between Batei Arichoma and Steachuza? So in his book, What's Bothering Rashi, um, um, Avigdor Banchek actually um, addresses this question. I'm just going to paraphrase his answer. But the basic idea is that the land, as opposed to a house, the land is really fully Hashem's, whatever that means. Um, I mean, that's my way of explaining it. And the land really belongs, so to speak, to everyone. Eretz Yisrael belongs to everyone. But a house represents the individual's stable home in Eretz Yisrael. That's something that divides a person from the world. So the land, um, in a certain sense, Hashem wants everyone to know, belongs to everyone. A person's house, that's what, you know, the, a person's individual privacy. So after a year, that stays with the individual. Okay, so that's all section three, but Choma. Section four, we have what happens if a person is so desperate, right, going back to that Rashi, that he, you know, he has nothing else to sell. He sold his land, he sold his house. So he's going to take loans. Okay, so the Chumash says, you know, make sure you don't do ribis, no neshech, no borrowing with interest, no um, lending with interest, fine. Section 5, we have the laws of slavery, so once again, it's desperate slavery. So we spoke about the difference between Eved Ivri and Eved Kanani, fine. Slavery to a Gentile, um, the geula of a, of a slave, you know, there's a mitzvah to redeem a slave from a guy. What happens with Yovel? Yovel will free the slave. And then we said that there was a summary passage where Hashem says, realize that all of you are my servants, you're not servants to servants, and um, therefore don't do a Bodhazara, don't do Evan Maskis, 
Make sure you're Shomer Shabbos and you're Mora Mikdash. Fine. And that is where Bahar ends. Then we get to Parshas Bichukosai. And with Bichukosai, the Chumash, we have, uh, the Chumash gives us again really two, I, I, I've narrowed it down to two topics. One is the Brachos and the Klalos, the Brachos and the Tocha. So it starts off with Imbechukosai Telechu, and then it's going to reverse itself later, Imbechukosai Tim Asu, if you're going to reject my commandments and not follow them and not walk with them. So that's the first part. So the second part is a very just strange finish to Sefer Vayikra, the laws of Archin and Tamura and Cherem. So th- these three topics, what exactly are they? So Archin refers to a value, an evaluation or a dedication, where you say, for example, I'm going to give the value of this person to the Mikdash. You kind of like take an item or a, an individual, and you say, I'm going to give that money value to the Mikdash. Tamura is where you, let's say you have a, an animal or something that you're devoting to the Mikdash itself. So Tamura would refer to the substitution, and there's an Isser of doing that, but if you take something consecrated and holy and you try to substitute something for it, what ends up happening is even though it was Usser to do that, both become holy. And similar, we have a, a concept of a cherem. A cherem is something that you designate that it belongs to Hashem, it perhaps belongs to the Kohanim, and there's a certain level of Kedusha here. So we can understand, I guess, why it's in Vayikra, it's, it's relevant to the Mikdash, which is a Vayikra um, topic. And the Chumash in this section talks about the Arachan of people, of animals, for Tamura. Um, it talks about houses, fields, and we have different categories of things which are redeemable versus things that are not redeemable. Things that are not redeemable, there's nothing you can do to redeem it, obviously. If it is redeemable, it's going to be redeemable with a fee of, of a Chumash, one-fifth that you have to pay if you want to redeem it and take the Kedusha off of it. So for uh, things that can't be redeemed, for example, a Bechor animal cannot, and something that you designate to a Cherem, that cannot be redeemed. Meiser Behema also cannot be redeemed. Those things, um, they, they maintain their status. Things that could be redeemed would be an animal that's a Tamea, you know, something that's impure, and Meiser Sheni, um, famously, could be redeemed. But the, those are the topics of Arachan and Tamura. So um, why exactly these topics are here? Very simply, one can suggest, again, the connection to the Mikdash. There is um, a Ramban and Rav Hirsch that maybe we'll come back to in a Kliyakar. Um And you know what? So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save that question for the end. Let's return to that really large picture question that we started with. And which again, namely is, and it's really, it's a twofold question. It's why, in fact, are we setting the stage at the end of Vayikra with the laws of Shemitah at Har Sinai? And as long as we are setting the stage at Har Sinai, so why then are we discussing Shemitah here at the end of Ayikra? Why not discuss it at Har Sinai in Sefer Shemos, where presumably it belongs? Right, so that, that's really the question. So all of this um, also speaks to that larger, even, even larger question of the panoramic view of Ayikra. What are we doing here? What is the Parsha about? So... We can say that, you know, one of the connections, at least between this topic and what we were just talking about, is the topics of Kedusha, which are recurring in Vayikra. We spoke about Kedusha in time, Kedusha of people, and the sensitivity to Kedusha is one of the 
fundamental factors that's necessary for knowing how to approach Hashem. We said that Vayikra at large is once we are Hashem's Mamlechas Kalanim Vagai Kadosh, Azam Segula, His chosen nation, the nation through which the entire world can receive blessing, right? When Hashem created the world, that was the goal that the entire world can receive the ultimate pleasure. And when mankind fell short, so Hashem had to isolate one man, became one family, became one nation, and the entire world can be blessed through us. It's interesting that we have, you know, reference to the subjugation of of of, of Evid Kanani here, which uh, which touches on that that idea as well. That through their connection to us, they could be blessed. Fine, but part of that is knowing how to approach Hashem and how to not not to mess up again, like mankind did in Gan Eden. So we had Har Sinai, we had the Chet Egel, and now we, you know we have the Mishkan, the recreating of Har Sinai. Ooh, okay, so we're getting somewhere, right? Because, um, you know, besides the fact that the, all the laws of Shemitah speak to the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael, right, which is the sensitivity that we started talking about in Achremos, the Kedusha Samakom. So that's one aspect of the connection between Shemitah and what we're talking about now. But again, we, we, you know, we know the famous answer that Rashi says based on the Taras Kohanim that Ma'ayin Shemitah Yitzhar Sinai. The idea is simply that that Shemitah is really a model for all mitzvahs. That just like Shemitah was fully elaborated on in Har Sinai, so you know the, all, all the mitzvahs were elaborated with their details at Har Sinai as well. Even though the Chumash doesn't necessarily spell it out for all of them, and. That might be part of an explanation as to why it's connected to Harsina. It does not fully explain what it's doing here. Moreover, it doesn't really entirely explain why Shemitah was the example mitzvah that was used. And in a longer essay, I discussed how Shemitah is in fact the model of all mitzvahs. It represents the Na'asev and Ishma pledge. You know, we're thinking about Shavuos now, we're thinking about Harsinai. You know, the, the Harsinai of uh, the, the equivalent of, of Nasev Nishmat Har Sinai, Kabbalah Satora, in Eretz Yisrael is really Shemitah, where you take the, the plunge and you take the, you take the pledge and you take the plunge. You know, the leap of faith for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's what Shemitah is. Uh, you know, realizing that Hashem is going to be there for you. All this can explain the, the connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai. What it doesn't fully explain is the connection between Shemitah Har Sinai and the very end of Vayikra. But this can be explained a little bit by the sensitivity to Kedusha. Let's go back to that Ibn Ezra for a second. The Ibn Ezra and the Ramban and the Svarno, they, said they, had, they, they all touch on this in, in different ways. But the idea that, um, going back to the Ibn Ezra, Ibn Ezra says this Parsha really belongs in Parsha's Mishpatim. Why is it here? So the Ibn Ezra explains that now we are looking at that Klal who are at this point, they are Israel-bound. They are on their way into Eretz Yisrael. And even though this topic, Ein this really belongs earlier, but it's put here because this is playing off of the end of Achremos, which also, again, focuses on the Kedushas, Malcolm the Kedushas Eretz Yisrael, which talks about things that the land will not tolerate, right? The Arayos, which we spoke about in Achremos and Kedoshim. The land will vomit out its inhabitants. Part of that is touched on in the Tochacha, in Bechukosai, that the land will not tolerate those who do not fulfill the mitzvahs and those who neglect Shemitah. And the land is going to also, again, it's going to reject you, and it's going to be appeased for the neglected Shemitos, right? Because when the land is, the land is literally going to be fallow again when it kicks everyone out and no one's going to be working it. So, so naturally, it'll be 
appeased for the neglected Shemitos. But again, the, the idea is we are now Israel-bound, and this is part of the, the conditions, the terms and the conditions, the policy for what must be when you go into Eretz Yisrael, and that's the expectation at this point. Says the Svarna similarly, that Moshe Rabbeinu at this point in time does not know that there's going to be a 40-year gullus in the Midbar. Spoiler alert for some of, and really the, the bulk of Sefer Midbar. But this is the expectation. We have a tocha, we have the terms and conditions for going to Yisrael. That's the direction that we're presumably going in until things go wrong. The Ramban also explains um, that in a similar vein to the Ibn Ezra, that really Shemitah is part of the reiteration of the renewal of the Sinaitic Covenant, which was broken during the Cheta Egel, right? We, 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 we violated our covenant with Hashem, and at the end of Kisisa, we had a renewal of that bris. And in the renewal of that bris, part of the renewal of that bris is everything that led to the building of the Mishkan and to the mitzvos pertaining to the Mikdan, the, Avod, the Mishkan, the Avodah Sheba Mikdash in Sefer Vayikra. Everything we've been discussing till now, how to approach Hashem the right way, all the right things to do. But part of that conversation also is going to be Shemitah, what happens when you go to the next stage, when you're not in the Mishkan anymore, you're not in the Midbar anymore when you eventually go into the land. And the idea is that we are, again, re, we are reiterating the renewal of the covenant that took place when? At Har Sinai. Where we talk about what's going to happen when you go into the land, when you are hopefully maintaining the covenant of Har Sinai, taking Har Sinai with you, and, going and bringing it all the way to Eretz Yisrael, the Kedusha. And... This also explains, again, the connections to Har Sinai, that what is Vayikra all about? What is the Mishkan all about? Going back to the Ramban at the end of Sefer Shemos, that the Mishkan is the fulfillment of us being restored to our former glory, which we almost lost at the Chet Egel to recreate Har Sinai in the form of the Mishkan. And eventually we're going to recreate it in the form of the Mikdash in Eretz Yisrael. And Shemitah will be a further manifestation of that. You know, it's interesting, because this also is connected to an Emes Lyakov, which I had intended to speak about earlier. But the Emes Lyakov addresses an important question regarding the Tochcha. Is the Tochcha coming because of our neglect of Shemitah, which we said is implied by the Pesachim, yes. But what about the Imbichukosei Telechu versus Imbichukosei Tim Asu? In Lotishmu, if you don't listen to me, right? Is it, it sounds almost like it's a neglect of the Torah in general. So which one is it? Is it Shemitah or is it the Torah in general? So you have to look up at the Samus Liyakov. It's a, it's a great piece. Um, and I can tell you the exact Pasuk he, he speaks on. You um, could be found Perak Chavav, Pasuk Lamadalad. But he, go, he goes on to explain that really Shemitah is really all about Torah observance and Torah. Um, it's not just the model, but the whole point is that you use Shemitah to be able to learn Torah. The whole idea of leaving your land fallow and stepping back for a year from your agricultural work is so that you can learn the Torah of Hashem. Right? He's, and he says that's why in Bechukos HaTelechu, says Rashi and plenty of other Mepharshim, to walk with the Chukin means Amelis Batorah. 
right? And 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 he says that um, if you don't listen to me, meaning you're not going to learn that you're going to be you're not going to toil in the Torah. This is what is called not guarding shemitah. Just like all of the Shabbosos of the year are given to us so that we can learn Torah, the whole Shemitah year is supposed to be a year, a sabbatical devoted to Torah. During that year. And he says, for that reason, similarly, we have the mitzvah of Hakel, in which we find in Parshas Vayelach, and if you do not, Toil and Torah, b'meshech shanas hashviyas, harehim evatlan shviyas hashviyas. You're going to nullify the cessation, the resting period of shmita. And so, and he explains that this is this is pshat and Rashi from earlier. But what's the point? The point is that the whole goal of shmita, the whole goal of of the the, the covenant. Or the whole goal of Shemitah really is to preserve the covenant at Har Sinai. And this is really the whole point of Vayikra. Vayikra is about walking forth the covenant of Har Sinai and actualizing and materializing it in the laws of, of the Mishkan, Tumah, Tahara, Kedusha, and in Kedushan Tihu, all of the mitzvot of how we make the Derech Hashem, our our path. The Aftlerecha Kamocha, Shabbos, Mora Avaim, Mora Mikdash, all the things that speak to our daily observance and our periodic observance. In Parshas Emor, we have the Amim Tovim. And there are different levels of sensitivity, whether you're Kohen Levi Yisrael, however, you know, wherever you stand. But it's all about preserving the covenant at Har Sinai. That's the whole goal of the Mishkan, that's the whole goal of everything. And so that really is what takes us through Sefer Vayikra, understanding the goal of how to approach Hashem, but to also, in doing so, preserving our covenant with Him, which we restored at the end of Shemos. That's what the goal of Vayikra is. And Be'ez Ras Hashem, next week, we will be able to take that all the way, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how this materializes in the next book of the Chumash, but before we do, I want to just make sure I come back to the Arachan and the Temura. So why exactly does Vayikra, in fact, end with the Arachan and the Temura, the laws of evaluations and substitutions? So, um, and this I meant, to, I meant to mention this earlier, but this is really, this all ties back in to what we're talking about right now. So one answer that I had suggested is that if you look, there's a lot of parallels between the the Sota Nazir case, which we're going to find in Parsis Naso in just a couple of weeks, and the Tochcha followed by Archen and Temura, right? Because the Tochcha is grotesque curses for those who neglect their covenant, which is exactly what the Sota did. And Sota is followed by Adam Kiafli Neder. A person decides to go to the opposite extreme to be inspired, to become a Nazir, to devote himself to Hashem, to devote himself to the covenant. So Erechin is all about Kiafli Nader. A person, again, similarly, makes a Nazir to devote himself to Hashem. There's also, there's a Rav Hirsch and Ramban that talk about how the beginning of Baran Bechakosai focus on your obligations, whereas Erechin focuses on um, extras, that you, you prioritize your primary obligations to any extra stringencies you want to put on yourself. But the main thing that I think that speaks to what we're talking about now of why 
when we end on this note is that the whole point of preserving the Kavanah and Sinai, the sensitivity to the Kedusha of the Ratzon Hashem, is, I think, well summarized by we don't switch tov la ra la tov, right? This would be the, repeating the mistake of Adam Arishan and Gan Eden, choosing the Etzadas tov ra, right? The whole point of preserving the Sinaitic Covenant is that we say, what's Ratzon Hashem? And I don't substitute it for anything else, right? Tamura. We don't make a Tamura. Veloya mir daso. We don't substitute Ratzon Hashem for anything else. Even if we think, oh, Ralatov, you know, this would be a good substitution. I found a better quality. Now, Devin Avihu tried that. They thought they had a good substitution for the Ratzon Hashem. It doesn't exist. And the whole point, how will you preserve the Sinaitic covenant? It means you'll be sensitive to the laws of Kedusha, to the Ratzon Hashem. And in so doing, you'll be able to take Harsinai, the Ratzon Hashem, the Torah with you, and move on to the next stage. In Bez Hashem, next week, with the beginning, the opening of Bamidbar, we will start talking about that next stage. But in the meantime, that takes us through Parashios, Bahar and Bechakosai, and Sefer Vayikra, Chazak, Chazak, Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thank you for joining us here at the Database.